I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now oh, another. He's oh. inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You are listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Spartan Red Zone with your hosts, Dan Tyler and Andre Sims. All right, what's going on, East Lansing? You're here listening to another episode of Spartan Red Zone. Uh, This time, my co-host, Andre Sims, is a little busy, has his hands tied up with fall camp practice, but don't you guys worry, we have... Our very own beat writer here for Michigan State Football Impact Sports, as well as the host of Secret Society here, Brad Allen. Brad, thanks for being on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. It's good to be on Spartan Red Zone. I know that I uh, I might not have the mic presence of a Andre Sims, but I'm going to do my best. I'm happy to be here, Dan. <laughs> hey, man, he brings the knowledge, but you got knowledge as well. We all know that. I've been working with you for a little bit this summer. So it's great to have you on. So we're going to turn the clocks back really quick here, talking about Big Ten Media Day, which happened a little more than two weeks ago, but haven't had a chance to talk about it yet on the show, so we're just going to go over it really quickly now. Tagging along with head coach Mark D'Antonio, you had quarterback Connor Cook, safety Curtis Drummond, and Shalee Calhoun were there in attendance in Chicago for the media days where you know, they're just pretty much surrounded for two different days by the media firing questions at them and everything. So we took some time. We watched it on the Big Ten Network and read about it and everything. And we came up with a couple of different awards here at Impact Sports. So best quote of the weekend and best dressed as well. We'll start with best quote. What was yours? So I know here at Michigan State, uh, we're considered the little brother. Uh, that That's a, that's a term from our rivals, uh, the University of Michigan, that some like to embrace. Some don't like it so much, but I have to admit there's some kind of weird obsession that we have with Michigan. We love to beat them. Absolutely. We love to talk about them. And uh, so my, my quote came from Connor Cook, and it was kind of it was kind of an ironic thing that he said because he, he said something about Michigan and then tried to backtrack a little bit. And uh, so the, the quote was, uh, but that's Michigan. And the, the whole, let's see if I can pull up the whole quote here. He was being asked about the little brother comment, which again, this gets brought up every year. Uh, Since Mike Hart, 2007. Yeah, Mike mm-hmm. Hart called us a uh, little brother, and then, and then uh, it's it's like a bulletin board bulletin board material for Michigan State and for all time. It seems like yeah. now. He was asked about it, and he said, "Yeah, it parentheses ticks off the coaches, ticks us off, me ticks me off as a player." But I mean, who hasn't seen that video a million times? And it just isn't right. You don't say stuff like that. You don't talk to the media like that, but that's Michigan. And then he paused and said, sorry, can you guys not use that? That was really bad. Please, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so he's kind of bashing Michigan about how they talk to the media, but he was talking to the media while he was doing it. Um, I think it was pretty harmless, but I got a chuckle out of that. So that was my best quote of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of sums it up. You know, we don't like to show our feelings towards Michigan, I guess. We've kind of been hiding it the, over the past few years. You know, if you if you look back to 
the beginning of D'Antonio's tenure, he was very outspoken about how he felt about Michigan. He did not hold back on his negative sentiment toward that university and football program. But, you know, as, as time has gone on and much to the chagrin of Michigan fans, Michigan State fans and coaches and players have not had to resort to, you know, talking to the media to get their shots in. We've been doing it on the football field. So nowadays it seems like these players are kind of trying to hold their tongue when it comes to Michigan, just say, hey, we'll meet them on the field. And I think, you know, like you said, that's a, it's a funny quote. It's a good quote to bring up. You can really tell that underneath his persona that Cook has thrown out there, he's trying to act like it's just another team, it's just Michigan and stuff. But you can tell underneath that name just leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth, everybody that wears the green and white, that is. And despite him knowing he's got to hold his tongue and stuff, it came out just a little bit, is how he really feels about Michigan. But I, I like it. He realized that. He may have said something he shouldn't have said. I don't think it was that bad. Um, just saying, you know, just classic rivalry game. You know, they someone took a low blow at him way back in 2007, but still it gets brought up constantly every single year. And, of course, they're going to say it makes them mad because I'm sure it does. It makes me mad as a fan. So that's a funny quote, you know. it's And the tables have turned a little bit too because you, you have Michigan, their players, their fans – Ohio State's their quote-unquote real rival, mm-hmm. and they don't really – the Michigan State game's not as important to to them, while the Michigan game for Michigan State is, is, is the game on the calendar that is the most important every year no matter what. Now coming off a Rose Bowl win, a couple Big Ten championships in the past few years, Michigan might not want to admit it, but you know we have to be on their radar. And uh, with the exception of 2012, uh, the Spartans have really handled Michigan. So, you know – I think they they might be looking towards Ohio State, Nebraska, some of these other big games. Of course, Oregon, uh, maybe even before Michigan. But when you go when you get down to it, Michigan is the rival. That's the game that they're thinking about. So, but that's Michigan. You know, love that quote from Connor Cook. Yeah, really perfectly sums it up. It's a great one. I hope hope mine can kind of live up to that one. Mine was a little more mainstream of a quote. I'll say from head coach Mark D'Antonio, just simply. It starts here, was my quote. So going back to last season, something that D'Antonio brought up before the season as kind of the team slogan for the year was chase it. And what it really meant was, you know, kind of chase the Rose Bowl, I think was the grand goal of the season. And everything fell into place. It was a great year and they got it. They chased it. They caught it. So going into this next season, Someone asked him, you know, what's the new slogan? Is there a new one? So we came up with, it starts here, which I think is perfect, summing up where Michigan State kind of is in terms of their program as a whole. You know, there's plenty of teams that'll come in and have one good year and then just kind of fade to black again and and go back to being just a normal football program. But you can tell that this team does not want that to happen to them. They don't want to be another one of those teams that's just there for a fleeting glimpse, and then they go back to being a 7-5, and 8-4 type team. This team wants to become a perennial national power year in and year out. And to do that, you have to prove that one great season where your Rose Bowl champions, Big Ten champions, went 13-1, and 
wasn't a fluke, that that's something that they can duplicate and replicate from years on out. So I think it starts here really sums that all up. They had their good season. They're on the radar of everybody now. Top 10 preseason ranking. You know, they have probably the best non-conference game week two going into the season. So it really does start here. You know, they get a chance really early in the season, September 6th against Oregon, to prove themselves that they weren't some fluke team that they can hang up there with the big boys because Oregon's been you know, one of the better teams in college football over the last five years. And if they can go out there, have a big-time season, fight for a college football playoff berth, the first one ever, I think people will start to realize you know, maybe this team's legit, maybe this team's to stay. And I think it really all does start here. They have to prove that they can do this consistently. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing D'Antonio has done that I love is he's always got the material to get the fans fired up, to get the players fired up. I think Chase It was a great mantra for last year. You see all those hype videos on YouTube of him saying, you know, it for the first time and they actually made it to the Rose Bowl, something they hadn't done in over 25 years. And now, like you said, they're they're trying to to be known that this is only the beginning. Um so I lo- I love uh I love it. It's great for graphics. It's great for social media. You know, it starts here. I would have picked that as my best quote, but I can't. We we can't have the same uh, the same awards <laughs> here. There's two of us. We gotta we gotta switch it up. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, Mark D'Antonio has has in store. And I think he elaborated on, you know, what he meant by it starts here by saying, you know, first scrimmage, first practice, first game, like sort of uh, take taking it one step at a time, but. It's going to be hard to to match the expectations and what they did last year with the Rose Bowl. The only thing better than that really would be, like you said, the playoff berth and hopefully a national championship. Yeah, you know, only time will tell, but, you know, it looks like D'Antonio from him down to coaches that he's overseeing and then the players that those coaches are overseeing, it looks like they're all really buying into that mantra. So definitely looks like they have the right mindset going into it to make that kind of run. So moving on. It's a little bit more of a fun, fun award that we're giving out here, best dressed. So classic thing for people at these media days to, you know, get pretty smooth looking, get classy. Some people like to show out more. Some people go for a more classic look. Just all depends on your style. You really can see some of these guys' personalities depending on how they are dressed up there. So out of those three guys, again, being Curtis Drummond, Connor Cook, and Shalit Calhoun, who would you say was the best dressed? So you saw Shalit Calhoun. Well, hopefully we can get some uh some pictures of it on the on the description or on the link to this to this show. But he had a bow tie and I love the way he was dressed. And I think uh Curtis Drummond had like some pinstripe suit mm-hmm. going on, which he, he was looking uh pretty clean himself. And then and then Connor Cook had more of a traditional uh he, he was wearing a you know, coat and tie. They all they all looked nice, presentable. One thing about Shalit Calhoun I liked is he's just very charismatic. Something we didn't really get to see much last year because he was a freshman, uh, redshirt freshman. We didn't really know much about what he was going to do until he started scoring all those touchdowns. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to to seeing and hearing more from him as far as his outfits and his uh, his interviews and stuff like that. But I gave best dress to to Connor Cook, not necessarily because of what he was wearing. Uh, a Big Ten Network, their Instagram account, I was scrolling through there, and I saw uh, a video of him. It was actually Shalit Calhoun 
sort of doing a mock interview of, of the players joking around. And he had uh, Connor Cook do that little dance, that Nene dance that they <laughs> yep. were doing all year last year. So after seeing that, uh, Shalik actually awarded Connor with the best Nene award at the uh, Big Ten Media Day. So we don't have a best Nene award here at Impact Sports, but I can give Connor Cook the best dressed uh, just off of that performance. Hey, I like it. You know, if you're going to show up looking classy and smooth and you're asked to dance, you got to dance smooth. So if you can pull that off, all the props to them, you know. They had plenty of practice last year. They would they would go and rock that dance to some rich homie Quan in the locker room right. after every win. So they got to practice it 13 times when it came down to it. So at this point, you know, he better be good at Nene. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was hard. Just like you were saying, it was hard to to pick one guy out of these three. They all looked pretty nice, you know. Like you said, Connor a little more clean, classic look. I really liked Curtis Drummond with the 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 pinstripes. The pinstripes were pretty swaggy, but when it came down to it, I went with Shalik. Um, he was rocking the all black suit with a looked like a black and red bow tie going on. First of all, I'm just a bow tie guy. Yeah. Um, if I feel like I can pull it off and the occasion calls for it, I'll try to pull out a bow tie every once in a while. But also, I think, like you said, he's a really charismatic guy. You know, everybody from the media to players, even opponents, seem to just love the guy. Just lights up a room, always cracking jokes, very good interview. Uh, I think it just fit his personality the best. You know, it's a little, little bit flashy and kind of out there, but... When you talk to him, you know, you realize smart kid, funny kid, really good to talk to, great interview. So I like the bow tie on one hand, but I think it also just really fits his personality yeah, perfectly. Definitely. And I think I read somewhere uh, somebody asked him at, a, at one of those pressers how many bow ties he owns. I think he said like 14 or something like that. So Wow. So look, out, look out for more bow ties from Shalit Calhoun this year. Definitely. 14. I have two yeah. i think i think and, i got one and it's not even a real bow tie it's like one of those easy clip ones it's not the ones that you have to tie like from from scratch yeah one i'm not gonna lie one of mine is uh one of those little kind of like mm-hmm. pre-tied bow ties they're hard to tie yeah you know i i nobody, was nobody can tell it's not like a clip on yeah it sometimes people will tell i just lie and say it's not right. but if I have to rock an actual bow tie, I have to have somebody tie it for me. I can tie ties, but bow ties, that's, yeah. it's, it's like origami. I can't get it. My fingers yeah. don't do that. I need help from somebody. So they, all the power to them. If Salik's got 14 bow ties and can rock those bow ties on separate occasions like that, if anybody could do it, it'd be him. Mm-hmm. So moving on to what happened last week, Michigan State's separate media day something that you and I were actually able to attend. Um, Starting it off, kicking it off, D'Antonio came up, spoke for about 30 minutes. Um, What overall did you take away from his interaction with the media during that? Well, I think he he seems prepared for a different outlook this year. I think Michigan State has, has sort of peaked a little bit and... You know, going into his his previous seasons, he never had he never was the front runner for the Big Ten. He never had people talking about you know a possible national championship run. I think last year at this time was a totally different story. Um, but he knows that his team is sort of embracing this role of being the hunted, and he said it himself. You know, 
we we may have superstars on this team on both sides of the ball, but uh, they're going to be treated equally at, at camp and at practice. And as far as how far they're going to go and how far he expects them to go, he did say that he talked to him about a national championship, but only once. He said, you know, that's obviously the goal because we want to improve on what we did last year, and that's that's really the only way to improve. But you got to take it one game at a time, and that's where, you know, going back to the mantra, uh, it starts here, taking it the first game at a time. You know, they're focused right now on Jacksonville State, which I think is is smart. You don't want to look forward to Oregon, um, you know, before the season even starts. So he said first first scrimmage, first practice, first uh, you know time they put pads on, first uh, first actual game. That that's where it starts and. Uh, I think another quote he, he had was, you know, we hit a lot of singles. You know, don't expect him to to win a national championship in week one. You know, expect a struggle, expect some games to look ugly, but that, the only thing that matters is the scoreboard at the end. So uh, he seems ready to take, take it one game at a time and, and ready to coach uh, probably the best team he's ever had. Definitely, you know, and I, I got to agree with everything you were saying there. Um, he really seems to be instilling his mindset. He's he's always been kind of, you know, business as usual, strictly business type of guy. And it seems like he's really instilling that in the players. You can tell just talking to them as well and other uh, position coaches that they all are buying in on that as well. Um, something you and I were talking about before the show, you know, not to – kick our friends from Michigan down a little bit, but, you know, back when they played Oregon, their second game of the season at Oregon, you know, they had a kind of, I want to say cupcake game, at least everybody thought, for their first game. They were playing Appalachian State at home. They were preseason fifth in the nation, and there's no need for us to remind you guys what happened then. They got upset, and it all went downhill from there. They went to Oregon, pretty much their team in shambles, couldn't believe that they had lost to an FCS opponent, and they just got demolished by Oregon at Oregon, you know, and and D'Antonio was coaching then, that was when he was really at his peak of saying how he felt, not holding back on his feelings about Michigan, and, you know, he was kind of grinning to himself, talking about how they lost to Appalachian State, but... You best believe he doesn't forget that happened, though. Mm-hmm. And he, it, the parallels and similarities of the beginnings of the season for these two teams, despite you know being in almost seven years apart, that's not over his head. He can see that. So that's where that whole quote from saying you know you have to get to the first practice before you get to the first game. You got to get to the first game before you get to that Oregon game. You got to take each game at a time before you can get to a Big Ten championship, to a Rose Bowl or college football playoff. You know, you got to just take it one game at a time. Keep hitting the singles. You know, you're not going to win one game that counts as three different wins. Even if you beat Oregon, which would be a huge win at Oregon, still just counts as one. Yep. You'll still be 2 and 0. You won't be 5 and 0 ahead of everybody else. You'll be 2 and 0. So he really is just trying to take a whole business approach to it. Just keep on knocking them down, and you get the results that you want. The rest will come and follow. Um, just pretty much it. listening to him talk about it got me really excited for the season because I know that the players buy into what he's saying, and he says all the right things, and 
you know, you'll hear a lot of coaches saying that, but I personally believe that he believes it. Um, you know, you can you can just kind of say all the cliche things like, oh, we have to take it one game at a time and things like that. But, you know, when you're there and sitting there watching him talk, you just feel like it's genuine, like that's something that he knows to be true and is making sure he's doing everything in his power that everybody else on the team looks at it that way as well. And if you can get everybody on the team to buy into it, which I think he has, that's you know a dangerous thought because this team has the talent. I think their biggest enemy could be themselves this year, just like for any good team. So if you can get everybody's mind focused on the right thing and everybody moving in one smooth direction, get the ball rolling a little bit, you know that's, that's what championship teams have to do. Absolutely. I think the, the players have bought into... Mark D'Antonio and uh, I, you know, I didn't have the experience of being around the team last year, uh, but I know at the beginning of the season they didn't even know who their quarterback was going to be. They had, they were three and zero, and and the whole fan base of Michigan State was was calling for the quarterback's head and, and saying that our offense was not going to be good enough to to do anything significant. And uh, and this year, like you said, they bought into Mark D'Antonio. I think the whole Big Ten has bought into him. They they voted him most. Uh, was it most wanting to be played for a coach? Yeah, like from that. the players. And uh yeah, I think the the vibe I got from some of the players was that they're confident. Maybe not maybe not cocky, but confident. They they are carrying themselves like a uh like a top five football team. I think Connor Cook has embraced the role of uh star quarterback pretty well. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the whole last year not knowing who our quarterback was going to be, and then the whole Connor Cook embracing his role this year. It's just kind of crazy looking at the difference in the two seasons. You know, obviously we we had no idea. It was one week it seemed like it would be Maxwell starting, one week it was Cook. Then you had a lot of people calling for Terry because mm-hmm. we had heard of everything about Damian Terry. Um, and it wasn't really until after the Iowa game, I think, that Cook kind of started to settle into that role as a starting quarterback. And then this season, before the players even came out to start doing interviews and stuff at the media day, probably a good 90% of the media members there were circled around Connor Cook's table waiting for him to get out and trying to fire questions at him. So there's no doubt who the leader is of the program, who's going to be running the offense, and... He, it, he does seem to be embracing it. He seems to have gotten pretty comfortable in the role, understands what he has to do, and that's, I mean, that's good. If he could step in, you know, he started feeling things out fourth, fifth game last season, and look what he did at the end of the season. Big Ten, Big Ten Championship MVP, Rose Bowl MVP, passed for over 300 yards in both those games. You know, those were great games of his, so... That's with him just getting things going the last kind of two-thirds of the season, I would say. So if he can really get everything rolling day one, game one, that's a that's a scary thought for, for opposing teams because he's got momentum from last season and he's going to finally have a full year of starting. So it's, it's exciting to see what he's going to be able to do with that. Yeah, I got the voice of Fino in my head from listening to the Pact. Uh, he said over and over again, this is the first year 
that Connor Cook is going to be the starting quarterback for, for Michigan State. This is the first time he's going to get a chance to play the full season as the starter. So if he if he has improved or if he stepped his game up, uh, I think it's going to be scary how, how potentially good Michigan State's offense can be, especially with now Jeremy Lankford assuming the, the starting role of, of running back too. Yeah, and another thing that gets me excited, I was talking to one of my one of my buddies today about this actually, about Jeremy Langford. You know, people think he's gonna be a really good running back this year. Yet I still think he's underrated going into the season. This is a guy who came into Michigan State, is playing a little bit of safety, playing a little bit of receiver. His name was kind of tossed around there potentially for a running back role last season, but the names you heard more of going into the year were Nick Hill um, and Max Bolo's younger brother, Riley. Mm-hmm. And those guys really weren't carrying the load that well. Langford got his shot and ran with it. I mean, literally and figuratively. Yep. Uh, the last seven games of the regular season, he had over 100 yards rushing, um, had over 100 against Ohio State, the Big Ten championship game, had 84, I believe, and a touchdown in the Rose Bowl game. And it just seems like the guy gets better as the game goes on, too. Countless times last season, he would just finish the team off with a back-breaking 30, 40-yard touchdown run. So he really, this will be his full first full season yep. as a starter as well. A solid offensive line in front of him. Lots of weapons for Cook to pass to to keep a defense honest and not able to load up the box like they could a couple of years ago against Le'Veon Bell. You know, I think that he has the potential to be a top five running back in the nation. And that's saying a lot with guys like Todd Gurley from Georgia. Um, You know, there's just some phenomenal running backs out there. And I think he can be a name amongst those. There's even guys, you know, we got Amir Abdullah from Nebraska, Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin in our our own conference that are probably going to be some names that are up there. But he deserves, just along with the rest of them, to be in there as well and the offense you know it's another crazy difference to look at it just they were in shambles at the beginning of last season figured things out great in-season maturity and this year it's we're just going to see where they can go or they can take off from it yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they start against Jacksonville State hopefully pretty hot you yeah. know Jacksonville State that's uh it's a nice game to work the kinks out you can if they get some turnovers, I don't think it'll be too big of a deal. I don't think anybody realistically thinks that Jacksonville State can upset Michigan State, but it is an interesting comparison to think about Appalachian State over Michigan. Uh, Michigan, who plays Appalachian State the day after we play Jacksonville State this year, too. So I'd watch out for that. I think I think uh, you never know what's going to happen with uh, with Michigan's team under, under uh, Hoke, but... Uh, that, that would be certainly an interesting rematch to see. Yeah, I mean, talking about that really quickly, um, you know, talking to my Michigan friends a little bit over the summer, they're just scratching their heads why that game was even scheduled in the first place, <laughs> you know, because at the, They have nothing really to gain. Nothing to gain, exactly. You know, at, at best, you beat them in handily, like, you know, they should, and then people say, okay, should have done that the first time. Right. And, but the, you know, the week prior to it, you know, there's going to be replays all over the place of that blocked field goal that Appalachian, had, Appalachian State, excuse me, had to beat them. And it's just like opening up a 
fresh wound, you know, pouring salt in the wound from that game. And in, you know, worst case scenario, App State comes back in for some reason has some magic in the big house and and pulls off an upset or makes it close. And then that's just the worst possible start for a season that Michigan could have. Right. But, Spartans will need to handle uh, Jacksonville State, though, before they can – before it's open season on uh, on us to to talk some smack to Michigan for their performance, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I think I'm excited to see both of those games. Actually, I think you never know what's going to happen in in week one. Yeah, and then you know week one is just magical in itself. You get to see the team for the first time. Everybody's excited. Might not be the best game out there, but everybody's been people have been waiting for football the whole summer. I personally. I've been waiting for football since college football season was over, right, pretty January much. January 2nd. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be great to look out and see how these guys look. Friday night games, always fun. Everybody's back in, in class, and student section's going to be packed and hyped for it, so they'll be ready to play. But, you know, talking a little bit about the season now, expectations obviously are really high. And some are maybe, I wouldn't want to say unrealistically high, but really tough to grasp because um, last season, Mark D'Antonio, he had said in a, in a press conference that he believed that they could have won the national championship. If you look at it, I was thinking back a little bit. I think he's got a point. You know, if you look back at that Notre Dame game, Everybody except for fighting Irish fans would say that Michigan State got robbed. Some of those pass interference calls were just atrocious. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that happened in South Bend, but that's a discussion for another day, I guess. You know, that's just Notre Dame football. That's how they do things. I don't like Notre Dame. Well, to be fair, I'm not a fan of Notre Dame either, but when you look back at the on Secret Society, I asked people at the end of the show, what was your favorite Michigan State sports moment? And one of the most popular ones is that Little Giants play, fake field goal. And I actually, uh, I, I, uh, on that piece on, on, the, on the rivalry, Michigan State-Notre Dame rivalry and the incredible games, uh, that, that Little Giants one, I was looking at the YouTube video, the replay, uh, it did appear that the play clock ran out on that, uh, on that field goal. So that's another little clock gate that some people don't... Uh, don't think about, but you're right. In, in 2013, I think uh, our DBs weren't allowed to even play defense. They were they were throwing so many flags. That was yeah. a frustrating one to watch for sure. It's funny that you brought up that little Giants play. I actually never noticed that. I was at the game myself and hadn't seen, um, didn't see the play clock during replays. But you know, maybe there's a little something on the on the clocks at Spartan Stadium because yeah. I remember back in 01 right. with that pass to TJ Duckett. Uh, I was there with my dad and uncle, who are both Michigan alumni, and I don't think I've seen either of them as angry <laughs> to this day about that. Um, just and they changed crazy. the they changed the rule because of that. I believe they they made it so it's a neutral. The person doing the clock is like an official and not uh, somebody from the home team. So I don't think you can blame. Uh, I never heard anybody. Really complain about that Notre Dame play, except for one YouTube comment that that drew my attention to it. So, you know, 
I think uh, Michigan State has, has has gotten away with a few, but it definitely seems like in basketball and football, uh, the referees might be out to get us sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And then going back to last year against Notre Dame, definitely was one of those instances. And it was too bad because at that point, like we were talking about earlier, the offense was kind of in shambles. The team was lacking in identity. The defense was scoring more touchdowns than our offense was. So at the point, it just seemed like a rough loss. But then once we kept winning and winning and winning and all of a sudden the year was over and that was the one loss of the season, you kind of look back at it and you're like, man, if they hadn't have made those calls, maybe we would have won. And if we would have won, we would have been in the national championship game. And that was kind of tough to swallow. But, you know, they believe that they had the team to win the national championship last year. I believe that they could have beat either Florida State or Auburn. It would have been Florida State if, if uh, they would have ended up just one year, yeah, Just one year sooner, I think, if that playoff playoff would have been implemented last year, we might have been, uh, we might have been in that game and we might have gotten a chance to play Florida State. Yeah, that would have been fantastic, but... You know, 2014's a new year. We're reloaded. We're ready to go. So that's where the expectations are, you know. And and like you said, D'Antonio told the media that he brought up the national championship one time. And I'm sure despite everybody buying into the system one game at a time, it's got to be in the back of everybody's minds. They have to feel like maybe they weren't robbed of a national championship, but they are at least robbed a little bit of the opportunity for a national championship last year. And, you know, I think some things go their way. You know, there's obviously some luck involved in making it to a national championship. It's a long season. A lot of things can happen. If you look at Auburn, you know, they had their game against Georgia, Hail Mary to win the game. And then everybody remembers their game against Alabama in the Iron Bowl and they returned that kick. The missed field goal all the way back for a touchdown to win it. You know, they had things like that happen for them to, to to make it to the national championship. And, you know, realistically, I think Michigan State would need a couple balls to bounce their way, maybe a couple calls to go their way or something like that. But I think this is a team that at least can make the college football playoff. And, you know, finally we'll see a situation where it looks like the best team will have won it all. Um, so just them getting an opportunity to put their – put themselves in that position that's kind of where my expectations are yeah i think anything anything short of a big another big 10 championship and, a, and at least a, an opportunity in that playoff would be uh not good enough i'd hate to set the bar too high for for michigan state but if you look at their team and, and what they did last year uh you know that's what the coaches are thinking that's what the players are thinking that's what the fans want i'm actually going to go run over to uh to meet the spartans uh when we wrap up the show and i'm going to talk to some fans and see what the, what they're thinking because you know it's hard to not pick this team to go undefeated but uh you know Oregon will be a tough game and and Ohio State and a couple other of those Big 10 games I think will be will be tough but having having watched and you're an East Lansing native too you've watched Michigan State for for many years now and having been a a follower of Spartan football for almost almost two decades now I it's hard for me to to pick the to pick that team to go undefeated, you know. It seems like they always let one get away. So I think, I think they might drop one or two games, 
but I still see them getting in that Big Ten championship game. And and if they win the Big Ten title in Indianapolis, you have to look at them at least to to get in that playoffs. But like you said, they might need a they might need a couple uh, other teams to play their part in order for us to get in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and when I say that my expectations are college football playoff, I don't mean that necessarily we would have to run the table, kind of like you were saying. Um, for example, if they lost a close game to Oregon, second game, you know, there's really no blaming them for that. I don't think anybody nationally, anybody on the college football playoff selection committee could could blame them for that. You're playing your second game of the season at Autzen Stadium. It's a tough game, and if it's a tough-fought game and, you know, it's pretty much who has the ball last or something like that, you know, a really close game, Michigan State, you know, comes out with a defeat. If they go turn around, bounce back from that, and run the table in the Big Ten, which I think they have a, a good shot at doing, I think you couldn't keep them off the college football playoff list. Yeah. If they were a one-loss team to Oregon, definitely couldn't because, I don't know, going into the Big Ten season, pretty much all their toughest games are at home. Michigan for a second straight year is at home. You have Nebraska at home. You have a bye after the Michigan game, before the Ohio State game, which is also at home. And, you know, that'll really play big for them. Other than in 2012, which was a bit of a disaster of a season, Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio has played fantastically at home. And, you know, it's not something they give up lightly. It's not something they take lightly either. Is home field advantage and the fans are going to be rocking. They're going to be rowdier than ever this season. So I think if they can keep the game close at Oregon, they have a good shot at running the table in the Big Ten and putting themselves in the right position to get nominated to be one of those four college football playoff teams next year. Yeah, it's exciting, especially that game against Oregon. Probably the biggest non conference game in the history of, of MSU. And I, and I think, uh, it might not be the last time they play each other. I think there's a chance if that game's close, Oregon and Michigan State, if they if they uh, either go undefeated and, and that either Michigan State or Oregon would be the only loss for those two teams, uh, they could both be in the playoff, and that would be an interesting to see them uh, get to play each other again. Yeah, definitely an interesting rematch. Um, yeah, it's very possible, you know, no matter what. If it's a close game, neither team will be – punished for the loss I should say um if Michigan State beats Oregon people say well Michigan State's a great team great defense Oregon has historically struggled against teams that play like Michigan State most notably Stanford um and then Michigan State happens to come out with a loss say well you know Oregon has been they've been legit for a while now and Marcus Mariota could be the best player in the country they have some phenomenal players, phenomenal athletes on that team. Great coach as well, and Mark Hilfricht. Neither of them could be blamed. And if they go both turn around and sweep their conference schedules, which I wouldn't be surprised if both teams did it, I think you got to put both of them in the playoffs. Yep, I agree. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. Yeah, you know, it's everybody in, in the country is going to be watching that game. Uh, I've got to guess that it would be game day think it should be so 
opportunity for each team to make a huge statement going forward for the season and to really set the tone. But I think both teams, if it's a close game, both teams will come out of that game better than they than they were going into it. So it'll just help them out going forward. And, you know, it gives Michigan State an opportunity to look at fast-paced moving offenses similar a little bit to Ohio State's and how Urban Meyer runs his. And then we'll give Oregon a chance to look at some tough nose kind of work-the-clock type teams like Stanford, who they struggle with. So, you know, great scheduling by both athletic directors, and it'll be really exciting. But before we wrap up here, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And I'll put myself on the spot, too. Okay. Um, Let's have a win-loss for Michigan State this year on the season. Regular season? Let's start with regular season. Okay, so I think that they, I think they finished ten and two. I think that that Oregon game is going to be tough for them, especially the second game of the season. And I think it'd be too good to be true to pick Michigan State to run the table in the Big Ten back to back years. So I think you know one of those Big Ten games might uh, they might slip up a bit. So still think they're a ten win team. Uh, I'm going to have them at ten and two. This is my this is my early prediction with reservation to change. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with eleven and one. Um, I'm not sure exactly yet who that loss would come to. I personally, looking at the Big Ten schedule, am more worried about playing at Penn State than playing Ohio State at home. And just to break it down really quickly, I think. Ohio State has a great amount of talent. They have a great coaching staff, and they have the best player in the Big Ten in Braxton Miller. I think they're losing way too much from last year, and people are just assuming that these inexperienced, untested players that are highly touted recruits are going to be able to come in and be pretty much just as good as the guys they have to replace. Um, you know, Just because you had five stars after your name when you were playing in high school against high school kids, doesn't mean you can come out here and play with the big boys. And some some teams have learned that the hard way. And Michigan State's kind of have the opposite of that, seeing some guys with two stars after their names go out there and be stars and Jim Thorpe award winners and NFL starters. Um, so I think, you know, there's going to be, like you said before, there always seems to be a game where things just kind of go wrong. Things went wrong last year against Notre Dame. They're, it's too, we have too hard of a schedule. There's too many good teams on our schedule for nothing to go wrong. Right. Something has to go wrong, I think, whether it you know, be just getting squeaked out against Oregon or kind of forgetting about a team like Nebraska or something like that or focusing a little too much maybe on the Big Ten championship game, being undefeated up to that point and losing the last game at Penn State. There's going to be a moment where I think this team will inevitably slip up, but I'm going with 11-1. and Hopefully they'll garner enough attention to make the college football playoff. Yeah, I think 11-1 is good enough. I think 11-1 and in, in a Big Ten championship should be good enough, but you never know. Uh, it's it'll be It'll be interesting to see how how they make that choice at the end of the season. Yep. And, you know, again, only time will tell. So 
We're getting close to kick off the first Jacksonville State game. It's right around the corner. Uh, hopefully you'll hear from us uh, before then. But we're going to sign off now, leaving you guys with our predictions. Let us know what you think. Uh, once again, you are listening to the Spartan Red Zone. I'm here with Brad Allen. Brad, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And take it easy, East Lansing. <laughs>